have to wait for all these old men to get off the stage where us <laughs> young men can get up to right, Amen. Right <laughs> I kind of got a nasty look from Brother Rex, but uh, that's not the first time. Got your Bibles tonight, be turning the book of James, chapter 1. We'll be reading there in just a little bit, just a verse, and... Uh, Trust that you come tonight looking for a blessing, and I believe we come looking for one, you'll get one. And we are looking forward to next week, uh, to this week, I guess, today's first day in uh, Bible school, and trust that God will send in a lot of people, and a lot of people get saved during that time. If you can't come, you pray, and uh, that'll do some good as well. All right, if you found your place in James chapter 1, if you'll stand, we want to read verse 15. Very short verse. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Father, we thank you tonight once again for this opportunity and this privilege to stand before this people. Father, I pray tonight that your spirit will be real in our midst, Lord, that we'll not only be able to feel you, Lord, but we'll be able to understand what you'd have us to do. Lord, would you edify us tonight and help us, Lord, that we might stand strong and bold in these last and closing days of this dispensation. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. I want us to think a little bit tonight about how that we're affected by the lust of this world. We read here that lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. The verse just preceding that says, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's a whole lot more in that verse, and we read into it a lot of times. Uh, when we sin, we can't blame it on God. And uh, we can't blame it all on Satan. A lot of times I hear people say, the devil made me do it, and, and laugh about it, you know. But uh, there's coming a day when the devil's going to be chained for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, and people are still going to sin. Now, I don't know who they're going to let on then. But uh, as long as we've got this old Adam nature, we're going to have to deal with sin. We're going to have a battle within our hearts and souls as we try to stand against the temptations that Satan put before us. I realize that all of us every day commit sin. Now, I'm certainly God, glad God made a way for us to get forgiveness of those sins. As hard as we'd try, we're going to fail God somewhere. There's going to be something we should have done that we don't do. There's going to be something that we should not have done that we find ourselves doing. And I'm glad God has promised that if we'll confess that unto him, that he's just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we make an effort, and wisely so, to stay away from the recognized sins. You'll say, well, what are the recognized sins? Well, I, I'm not going to name them all, but we recognize that adultery is a sin. We ought to stay away from that. We recognize that 
drinking alcohol is a sin. We want to stay away from it. We, re we recognize that stealing is a sin. We ought not to do that. We recognize that gambling is a sin. We ought not to do that. On and on we can name sins that are recognized and these are things we should stay away from. And of course, there's all kinds of uh, lust that causes us to want to do those things. But there's other sins that we talked about, uh, I believe, a couple of nights, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that might not be so obvious. But it's my opinion that whether it's a recognizable sin or one that might be unrecognizable to us, that it's all caused by the demon influence. Now, as I look out over the audience tonight, I seriously doubt that there's anybody here that will ever become demon-possessed. Boy, that makes us feel good, doesn't it? But I'll tell you something else. As I look out, I don't see a single individual that can't be demon-influenced. And we need to be aware of that. And uh, I believe that these demons specialize in certain types of sin. And uh, you see, the devil knows a whole lot about you. He may be unwise and going up against God, but Satan is a smart individual. He knows about you. How does he know? He's not omniscient, like God is. But how does he know about you? He watches you. And he understands what your weakness is. And he knows the condition of your life. And he'll hit you at just the right time with just the right temptation. If you're not close enough to God, say, God, help me. Uh, he'll cause you to walk away from the Lord. And uh, I, I thank the Lord that many times God's been present when, the Satan, when Satan has done that. And uh, I'm telling you that'll happen not only from the Word of God, but from experience. And God's always been good and gracious to me. Now, I'm not saying I'm sinless, but I'm saying to keep me from uh, walking into a sin that bring, bring reproach upon the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so those demons there are specialists in their field. If we go, you know, we go to a doctor, Sister Demetria was talking about the doctors her dad had gone to. Uh, they specialize in uh, uh, doctoring cancer. That, that's what they do. And, you know, sometimes we'll have a leg ache or a headache or something. We'll go to, the doc to a doctor that specializes in studying that part of the body. And so I believe the demons do the same thing. I was reading about the man... We call the maniac of good, uh, of, uh, good well, I can't say it. But anyway, uh, Gadarene, he was in uh, the country of Gadarenes. And uh, over in the book of Luke, we read there concern, concerning this man. And in the 8th chapter and the 26th verse, the Bible says that, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when they went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils. Now, let me show you something here. Anytime you read in the scripture, devils, plural, a correct interpretation of that would be demons. 
There's not but one devil. And thank God for that. Not but one devil. That's all we need. In fact, we don't need him. But anyway, just one devil. But when you read plural, that's demons. And uh, he had demons long time and wear no clothes. Now, some of those demons specialized in making him want to go without clothes. I think we've probably got some of those running around in America. But it says, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. What made him not want to stay in a house? He'd rather be out in the wild. And uh, those demons had caused him to be uh, unstable. And so we find here that uh, how that we need to be careful. I don't care how spiritual you think you are tonight. You need to be careful that the demons don't use you to hinder the cause of Christ. He'll cause you to say the wrong thing at the wrong time uh, about the wrong thing and uh, harm the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, any time we do something that brings a reproach on the Lord, you can be sure it's not the leading of God that causes us to do it. It's that demon influence, and I'm 30 completely convinced when we get into eternity and we get that mind that Christ has, that we're going to understand how much influence that the demons had on us while we here upon this earth. So we, we discussed a little bit uh, Wednesday night. And I still got some uh, money coming over this. God, God gave Adam a helpmate or a helpmate. And he said, she's to be subject unto you. And uh, uh, that was a command from God. And you know, I, I've, been a, I've been accused when I get on that subject of making second-class citizens out of women. There can be nothing farther from the truth. I believe that the women have the most exalted role that an individual could have in the kingdom of God. They're the ones that bring life into existence. They're the ones that are uh, given the responsibility of making a happy home. And on and on, those things that are great belongs to the women. But I believe so many times in our society that women have stepped out of their roles. Now, I know we've got some smart women who are head of businesses and who are in politics and all of that. And uh, you can write this down as just my wandering around. But I believe when they get in those positions, they're out of the role God intended for them to have. Then here I'm getting now to where I wanted to be when we started. That's just a prelude. That, that's just uh, working up to where I wanted to go. Now, I was talking about the influence of the demon powers on individuals. I've known a lot of godly men, especially men, that have let their guard down for just a moment. And Satan has tempted them entice them, as the Bible says, and they walked away from God just for a little while. And God ruined, pardon me, 
the devil ruined their testimony. And the devil will offer you the world just like he did Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, he can't deliver on his promises. And so we need to be careful. And I began to think about that and I wondered about some of these great men that had been called of God that we have recorded in the Bible and why they quit what God called them to do. I think of that young man by the name of John Mark. He started out with Paul and Barnabas. Man, he was going on a missionary journey. He got out there a little bit uh, away from home and he decided he's going to turn around and go back home. Now, what did the devil use to entice John to do that? We don't know. We have to assume. But I'm assuming that he got to thinking about mama's cooking. And he got to thinking about that good old feather bed that he slept on. And all the comforts of home. And he said, what am I doing out here on the side of the road, sleeping on the ground? And uh, all that comforts back home. Now, I don't know if that's what the devil used on him or not, but I do know that he used something. And uh, there's a result of our failure. When we fail God, there's a result of that failure. What was the result of John's failure? Well, number one, when Paul and Barnabas left out and John with them, no doubt John had a burden to bear. He had to carry part of the tents or he had to carry the uh, cooking utensils or he had to carry something. He wouldn't let him just walk around along there without anything and everybody else got a look. Well, when John turned and went back home, who had to bear his burden? Someone or a group of someone had to do what he refused to do that he'd already committed unto God he's going to do. And I'll tell you, that's, God says that's a dangerous thing, to make a vow and then fail to keep the vow that you made. And so John goes back home. And the results was not only that someone had to bear his burden, when he got back home, he lost a lot of respect. There's absolutely no doubt about that. When he went back home and people started saying, well, I thought you was on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And he had to say, I decided I'd come back home. I decided that I'd quit on God. And so that's, that's two results. Now, another result is one day he's going to have to stand before God and give an account for quitting on God. Now, we, we may take that lightly, but I'm telling you, folks, I, I don't think any of us really let it sink in that one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for our lives. We're going to give an account not only for what we've done, but why we've done it. And John will have to stand there. And then there was King Saul. God chose him himself to be the first king over Israel. And if you'll read about that choosing, old Saul was an humble man. The Bible says he even went and 
and they, they first selected his family and then the lots fell to Saul and it says he hid himself among the stuff. Now, I don't know what stuff it was. But Paul was so, uh, Saul was so humbled by God choosing him to be king, he hid himself. But you know, he got to be king and he felt the power. He began to say to this man, do this, and he did it. He began to say to this man, refrain from that, and he refrained. And after a while, he began to feel proud. And after only two years of service as king, uh, Saul was manifested that he quit following God. He started making his own decisions. And God took the kingdom away from him. Did you know I ran, I ran upon something that I'd not seen before? God was willing to establish Saul's kingdom forever. Look what a blessing Saul missed because of his sin of pride. And David stepped in. God brought David in as king behind him and established his throne forever. Saul could have had that. It was available to him. And then I think about David, that man after God's own heart. What a wonderful testimony to be a man after God's own heart. And uh, so he, he was, had Saul, Saul as he grew proud and jealous. And then David got to be king after him. And instead of growing proud and, and uh, arrogant like Saul had, David grew lazy. The Bible says when the kings went out to war, David stayed home. And that was the starting of his problem. And I kind of believe that the thing that is killing America today got a hold of David. And I'm convinced the thing that's killing America today is we've got so that we worship comfort and convenience. And we let, just let the world flow by as long as we're comfortable and as long as what we need is convenient for us to get it. I didn't think about this when I was putting the message together years ago. They was talking about voting uh, beer into Cannon County. And they said, well, here was one of the arguments. If a man's going to drink, he'll go down to Muffersburg and get it anyway. And I said, now let me tell you something. If I was a drinker, if I loved beer, sometimes I'd get up maybe and want a good cold beer. I wouldn't get in my car and drive all the way to Muffersburg to get it. But if I could go down the road a half a mile and get it, I'd do it. You can't tell me the devil's not shrewd. He's, he's a liar. Uh, the Bible says he's the father of lies. And uh, you better watch his demons because he'll instruct them to entice you, and that which you will yield to. And so in David's time of laziness and idleness, uh, the demons came and began to talk to him. And they began to present to him temptation. 
And just when David was there and nobody else was around, those demons showed him a woman over there taking a bath with the window open. I'm telling you, the devil knows your weakness. And he knows when to uh, confront you with that enticement. And the results, listen, David went unto the Lord and confessed his sin. He said, God, would you forgive me? On the authority of God's word, God forgave David. We've already said, he said, if you'll confess your sin, he's just and faithful to forgive you of his sin. But I'll tell you what he didn't do. He never did take the fruits of that rebellion away from David the rest of his life. The sword never left David's house because of that few moments of yielding to the lust of the flesh. David had to suffer for the rest of his life. And I'll tell you, God hasn't changed. Amen? And then I want to talk a little bit about Peter. He, he sure does get a lot of criticism and uh, cheeking on and everything. Somebody said, well, won't you talk about Judas? I'll just tell you, I've got no time for Judas. Uh, the Bible says that Judas was, now you won't find this written out just like this, but Judas was a money-hungry uh, individual that was never saved, never did belong to God. And uh, he, he was enticed by the, by the Lord, I mean, pardon me, enticed by the devil, and the Lord never had anything to do with him. So I don't really want to spend a lot of time on Judas. But I do want to talk about Peter. I don't know what Peter looked like. I've seen pictures of him. And I don't, you know, the guy that painted him didn't know any more about how he looked than I did. He might have been a little bitty wimpy looking fella. But I picture Peter as a great big rough looking guy with a beard and, you know, just, uh, almost scary to look at. I don't, that's the picture I have of him. That may not be right. That's the picture I have of him. But regardless of his failures, uh, I like old Peter. And, and the reason I like Peter is he got things done. Uh, he, he was a man that, ha that uh, uh, went at life and with enthusiasm and had uh, with... Uh, an eagerness to do right. I believe old Peter was sincere that night when he stood there at the Last Supper and said, Lord, everybody else may turn against you, but I'm never going to do it. I believe he meant that with all of his heart and soul. And it wasn't long till he's down there, he proved it in the garden. You know, when they came to arrest Christ, he jerked his sword out and whacked the high priest's servant's ear off. Somebody told me he just had bad aim. He meant to cut his head off. But I don't know. But I do know this, that Jesus picked that ear up and put it back on and said, Now, Peter, don't be fighting like this. This is not our battle. Our battle is a spiritual one. And Peter was a great fighter as a physical fighter, but he failed as a spiritual fighter at least for a while. But Peter got things done. 
The Bible talks about him preaching at Pentecost and 3,000 souls saved. But I'll tell you, it, it is a shame, for a lack of a better term, that those three men that Jesus had always taken with him when he went on a special journey, went to a special event, he took Peter, James, and John. And when he came to the garden, he said to the eight, sit down here by the gate, and he said he took Peter, James, and John on a little father and uh, set them down and said, pray here with me and I'll go yonder and pray. And they couldn't pray one hour with Jesus Christ. And I wondered just how they felt when they sat there that day or stood there that day, whatever the case was, and they saw Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And they said, there's the Son of God. He's my friend. And I failed him. Can you not feel sadness surge through your heart? I failed him. But I'm afraid my dear friends, tonight there's coming a time when we stand before God we too will have to say we failed him. But the apostles sat there and watched the crucifixion that night. Now as I come to my final point let's talk about you for a moment. We've been talking about John and we've talked a little bit about Peter and a little bit of about Judas and different ones. But what about you? What about me tonight? What is the demons using on you to influence you not to do the will of God in your life? It's not the same thing that he uses on me. Everybody's got a different weakness. And the devil knows what your weakness is. I often tell this story and and uh, I don't know if it's really happened to anyone, but I know this is how the devil thinks. You go out and get, you get all dressed up and ready for church next Sunday morning, and you go out there and you look and the tar's flat on your automobile. You'll say, well, now, in order to change that tar, I've got to go back to the house and I've got to take all these clothes off and I've got to put on some more and change that tar, and then I've got to go back to the house and, and I've got to wash up a little bit and I've got to take those clothes off and put my suit back on. And time I do that, uh, Sunday school's going to be over and I always like to go to Sunday school. So I think I just won't go. And when that works on you, you can be sure of this. The devil makes a note of that. And next Sunday morning, you're going to have something else wrong with your automobile or something wrong with the cook stove or something wrong with something or another because he's found out if he can create a problem in your life, you won't do what God expects you to do. So what is the devil using to entice you? It might be just the stresses of life. Isn't that something all of us have to deal with? I've got a picture in my office over at home, and somebody drew it of a zebra. 
and his stripes are falling off. They're about halfway off, laying down on the ground. And right on the bottom says, I think it's called for stress. The stresses of life cause strange things to happen to us. Maybe it's just the stresses of the simple things that we face every day. But the only one that can answer the question of what is the devil using to entice you not to serve the Lord as God expects you to can be answered by you. You're the only one can answer that. And I trust you'll evaluate yourself tonight and uh, see if you don't need the help of the Lord to overcome those temptations that the demons place upon you. We'll ask you to stand if you would, please.